Today, Anne Hathaway talks about abortion, and she talks about how abortion is a woman's destiny. And she also talks about how abortion is just a mercy. It's just a plain mercy to have an abortion. We'll talk about what that means, and is she right about that? Secondly, we talk about Stacey Abrams, who misquotes Joshua in a church talking, again, about abortion. Why is it always about abortion? It apparently is. We have Microsoft that unveils a new pride flag, and I hate to say it, spoiler alert, it's hideous. Also, this is, the, this is the strange one of the day, as if the other ones aren't. Muslims and Christians join forces, and you'll never believe what they join forces against. I'm Matt Odegaard. This is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I am your host, as always, Matt Odegaard. Thank you so much for joining in today. We have a lot going on, and uh, I always there's so much that I want to talk about and just not enough hours in the day, so I'm just hitting record and going through a couple of things that I think are important. And the reason that I think they're important is I want you to be well-informed so that when you go out into the world, you know what to do, you know how to live, because this Christian life is not about just your one-on-one personal relationship with God in the quiet and private of your own home, or even the relationship that you have with your church community. The Christian life is about everything you do, everywhere you go, everyone you come in contact with. That's Matthew 28. Go into all the world uh, and and make disciples. You're, You're supposed to take Jesus everywhere you go. Jesus literally lives inside you. Christ in me, the hope of glory, as Paul says. I know those are mysteries, and I'm not going to get too theological into that, but what I want you to understand, realize, grab onto is... Whatever you go, wherever you go, whatever you do, you should bring Christ with you. You should be a Christian, a little Christ, a, uh, a, a the light, the salt, the truth everywhere you go. But in order to do that, you have to kind of understand what you're supposed to do, right? How do you live in this crazy world? So I try to bring some news stories. I try to bring some Christian perspective to the news stories so that when people are talking about it at work, people are talking about it at school, even if you watch it on the news and go, what am I supposed to think about this? I want to help you with that. You don't have to believe anything that I'm saying. I am going to always come back to the Bible, what it says. That's my source. That's my foundation. I am not smarter than anybody else. I just read the Bible and try to do what it says. That's easy. That's that's seriously the easiest that I can put it. I hope that you do the same. But if I can help you in any way in our journey together as we move towards this and figure out what we're supposed to do in Christ, I want to help you with that. So if you haven't already, hit the like, the share, the subscribe, uh, the notifications, hit all the buttons. Uh, and if you hate this and hate me, I, I'm sorry to hear that, but throw your phone out the window into a pond because you're not going to need it anymore anyway. All right, let's get to some news stories because, I mean possibly. That's why you're here. Okay, so the first <laughs> the first thing we have to talk about is this Microsoft flag, and oh my goodness, it is quite a flag. Now, uh, I do have to spend 30 seconds talking about flags in general, and we've talked about this before, but it's important to understand, and it's important to realize what a flag is. Most people know this, maybe, maybe inherently, uh, maybe intuitively you know what a flag is, but we have to specifically talk about what a flag is and what it represents so that we understand what's really going on here. For instance, the American flag represents a nation. It represents the nation of America. By flying the American flag, you say, I believe in what America stands for as a nation. I'm part of that nation. You ascribe your connection to something, right? 
Now, the pride flag over the years is something else. It's become something else. It's not a national flag. It's not based on a country. It's not based on a, uh, a race. It's really a religion. It is an ideology. It is a flag that is imperial. And what I mean by that is you have national, you have imperial, right? So nations are are bordered, like there's a border around it, and it's comprised of a certain group of people. An empire does not necessarily have that. The empire goes beyond its borders. In fact, it always tries to expand. That's the nature of an empire. It's global. It wants to go farther and farther and farther. And that is the nature of the pride flag. The pride flag is designed to say all humans should respond to this everywhere on the earth. That's what the flag is designed to do. So it is a different view of the world. It's a different view of uh, of ideology, of philosophy, of even uh, the, the the Bible word for it, the Greek word for it is telos, the end, the, the end of things, like where you want things to go, the goal, right? The, the, the pride flag has a different goal, more than just a nation. It wants to say this is true everywhere for everybody at all times. So in that interest, the pride flag started as a rainbow, which was the inverse of the rainbow that God gave. Uh, God gave Noah after the flood and said, I will never again destroy the earth, flood the earth in this way. The rainbow was a promise of God's goodness. The community, the LGBTQ, at that time it was just the gay community, then the gay and lesbian community, and then all the other letters got added on. Um, it it took this symbol and said, this is now our symbol, and it means that we are proud of who we are, etc., right? Then this flag has changed, and very quickly and very recently, into all sorts of other things. And there are many, 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 many more flags. So just the plain rainbow flag is old school now, uh, and this is how fast the progressive progresses, right? So this flag has changed and changed and changed. So if you're not watching, if you're just listening, you should probably Google the Microsoft flag because this is a picture that is worth a thousand words. Um, but be careful, it's you kind of have a seizure warning with this, and that's not really even a joke. So if you're not looking at this flag, and you're and and I'm gonna try to describe it for you, but it's 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 difficult to describe because it contains so much. So this is Microsoft's new flag, and they say, inspired by the public response to our 2022 Pride flag, we are expanding our design to represent 40 LGBTQIA plus communities and making it available for everyone to use and build on. So again, if you're not looking at this, the best way that I can describe it is. In the movie Spaceballs, when they go to ludicrous speed and everything turns all crazy colors and you go into the vortex, it kind of looks like that. And again, that's not really even a joke. Like, go and look this up and look at it and, and look at what this flag looks like. It's kind of like light speed, but like way, way, way more complicated than that. And and so I'm going to read for you and I'm going to read all 40 of these because I don't have time or interest to. But here are just a sampling of some of Microsoft's listed uh, gender ideologies, LGBTQIA plus hashtag dollar sign communities that they list in this flag. Abrosexual, aceflux, agender, ambiamorous, I don't even know what that one is, uh, most of these, aeroflux, aromantic, asexual, I'm going to skip a bunch of these because I don't have time, demigirl, demiromantic, 
MLM, gender fluid, gender queer, I'm skipping a bunch of these, Maverick, I haven't heard of that one, uh, omnisexual, polyamorous, transgender, I've heard of that, trigender, two-spirit, progress, pride, and unlabeled. I really like that last one, right? Unlabeled. It's, it's, I mean, if you are not familiar with Paul, who goes, uh, read Acts 17. So Paul goes to the Areopagus and, and talks to all these Athenians who just spend all day talking about different philosophies and different ideologies. And he says, basically, hey, I know you guys are very religious and I know you're working on all these things. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Go read Acts 17 if you want. 16 and 17 are really good, so you should start there. Um, and, uh, and, and so Paul says, I even found a shrine to the unknown God. Because they were like, hey, there's all these gods. I know you, you want to worship all of these gods, but just in case you miss one, there's an unknown God. And that's like <laughs> unlabeled, right? I mean, like, there are so many things. I don't even want to miss one, so it's unlabeled. So we're, we're just going to call one whatever it is that you want to call it because you could just call it whatever you want. Anyway, I just, this is this is where we are. This is where, where we are as a society that you, you can just... You can just go your own way, I guess, as, as a singer used to put it. All right, we're going to move on from that. Muslims and Christians in Dearborn. So here's, here's the deal. Um, there has been a lot of tension in between Muslims and Christians. That, that's a huge understatement, right? For thousands of years at this point. Um, you have the Crusades. You have all kinds of things. Muslims and Christians, they just haven't gotten along for various reasons. I'm not going to get into, again, all the theology of that, all the issues of that. Um, and, and then, uh, to be really honest, right, you have 9-11, and, and there was some tension that was drawn out because of 9-11, because there, it, it, it was based in a Muslim-type faith that led terrorists to destroy the Twin Towers, among other things. That's just the reality of the situation. But if you ask the question, right, if you ask the question now, what is the biggest danger to America, period? I can almost guarantee that 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 people would say something else, right? They'd say Russia or Ukraine or, uh, or high energy prices uh, or inflation or China maybe would come up, those types of things. I can almost guarantee no one would say Islamic terrorism. Uh, they, they just probably wouldn't at this point, right? And, and, and here's the reason that I bring that up. This is an interesting story because Muslims and Christians have come together on this one thing. And what's that one thing you ask? They've come together to say to schools, stop indoctrinating our kids on LGBTQ ideology. And specifically, this story comes out of Dearborn, Michigan, which I have some familiarity with because I lived right around the corner from Dearborn, Michigan for several years. And I know that there's a large Muslim population in Dearborn, Michigan because of its proximity to Canada, the way they come in. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into that. doesn't really matter. But the reality is there's a lot of Muslims in Dearborn, Michigan, a lot of Christians as well, because Michigan, in some sense, is a very conservative state, even though in terms of governance, it's not. Again, a long story there that we're not going to get into today. But the reality is Muslims and Christians in this particular instance are saying, hey, stop indoctrinating our kids in LGBTQ ideology. We don't want it, we don't like it, and it's just not right to do in school, especially to elementary students. Anyway, this story comes to us from the Washington Post. According to the Washington Post, Roxanne McDonald, who was a leader in the school board meeting, uh, this is according to the Washington Post. What, Roxanne McDonald banged her gavel repeatedly during Monday night's school board meeting in Dearborn, Michigan, where hundreds denounced books with LGBTQ content packed into Dearborn Public Schools Administration Building. 
protesters upset about books in school libraries that they consider too sexually explicit for students carried signs that read, keep your porno books to yourself. If democracy matters, we are the majority. <laughs> There's a statement for you. Uh, continuing on. This sign said, protect the children. And that last one was written out in five different languages. Others were there to support the LGBTQ community and champion inclusivity. Again, this is a Washington Post article. The article continues on. Like other parts of the country, conservative Christians were the first to raise fears about books with LGBTQ content. Okay, I have to I have to pause here again because this is a Washington Post article and read this in the scary conservative Christian voice. Like other parts of the country, conservative Christians were the first to raise fears about books with LGBTQ content in the Michigan School District, which serves the city of Dearborn and part of Dearborn Heights in the Detroit metro area, the Detroit Free Press reported. Then... See, this is where this is where you got to keep in the scary conservative Christian voice. Then they rallied the significant Muslim population in both cities to join them. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to be done with that uh, scary uh, scary voice now. Uh, here's the deal: um, for those that don't know, and I just I feel like I have to explain common sense things just in case we don't know, right? If you don't know, the Muslim faith, as far as uh, gender expression as far as sexual immorality goes is very, 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 very strict. Now, I would say the Christian faith is also strict. However, as Christians, we are also super nice and we generally let anybody do anything, which is actually a problem, but a topic for another day. The application of the Muslim faith into uh, what they actually do to enforce sexual morality is much stronger. Again, if you don't believe me, go back to the Afghanistan story. As soon as America left Afghanistan, every woman, regardless of faith, had to be covered head to toe. Why? Because in their faith, it is immoral to show any part of your body as a woman. And this goes to sexual morality. That's why this happens. So the Muslim faith is at least as strict as the Christian faith in terms of sexual morality, maybe even more, especially when, it turn, when, in, when you get to how they apply it, Sharia law, etc. Again, I'm not going to get into all that, but you just need to know that's a real, real thing. So when this scary Washington Post article says, Christians coerced Muslims into protesting about this, which is essentially what it said, I just laugh. Like, that's not, I guarantee you, that's not how it happened. I guarantee you, Muslims have been talking about this, and I guarantee you, you're going to hear more of this. Why? Because they don't like this. They don't like their kids being taught this, and neither do we. And the people, so this is the reality. This is a shared value, and we don't have tons of shared values. I get that. But this is a shared value. We don't want our kids indoctrinated with LGBTQAAIP hashtag dollar sign ideology. We don't. And we can agree on this and we can fight against it. So we get to continue on this story. Weeks ahead of Monday's meeting, local Muslim leaders push people to attend the school board and tell them they oppose LGBTQ books in public schools. One of the most prominent Muslim leaders in the state of Michigan, Imam Saeed Hassan Al-Khwazini uh, of the Islamic Institute of American uh, sorry, the Islamic Institute of America in Dearborn used his sermon to urge his followers to go to the meeting to protest. He said, some of these books are completely inappropriate for children to read. 
He said, according to the free press, some of the books promote pornography, some of them promote homosexuality. We don't need this. So uh, what happened was there was this tweet that came out from Ian Miles Chong. He said, Christian and Muslim parents have joined forces to protect, sorry, to protest a Dearborn Public Schools meeting in Michigan. The inclusion of woke LGBTQ books in schools that contain sexually explicit material. So here is a video of that protest. And if you can't understand, they're saying vote them out, vote them out. So if you are not watching and you're just listening, you need to know that 80 percent, 70, 80, maybe even 90 percent of the people that you're seeing in the video are clearly Muslim. Many of the women wearing, you know, burqa, hijab type clothing, again, covering from head to toe. Um, these are not just Christians who said, hey, Muslims, we should all protest this together. Clearly, this is angry parents who say, we don't want our kids to be indoctrinated by this radical, progressive, sexual gender ideology. And good for them. So while we may not get along on certain things, I love that we get along on this. And we need to put more, not less, pressure in topics like this. All right, let's move on to the next Thing that we're talking about today, we have Stacey Abrams, the not governor of Georgia, who is uh, running. Um, she's 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 going around to churches, promoting abortion straight out, like straight out. She's promoting abortion um, from church pulpits. There are pastors who are letting her into the pulpits, and then in this quote that we'll see in a second, she misquotes Joshua, which is a problem. But the bigger problem that I have is that she's going around to churches and pastors are letting her into church pulpits to essentially say, you need to vote so that women can have abortion and kill their babies, which just really frustrates me from a pastoral perspective. Like, okay, you can say whatever you want. Okay, you can do whatever you want. Fine. But when you take the office of pastorate, when you take the stage, the pulpit in a church and say things that are clearly anti-biblical, uh, I have to point them out, number one, and <laughs> let's just say God sees everything. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, this is her talking about, well, we'll, we'll talk about it real quick. So she's at Atlanta's Elizabeth Baptist Church, and um, he introduced her by talking about how she's been raised up as Esther for such a time as this. She begins to talk about, uh, this is in the clip right before we'll, we'll watch, um, she talks about how she comes from a tradition of faith and that she believes she has the right to control her body, control her future, and that belongs to her alone. She goes on to say, I don't want to make the choice for anybody else, and I don't want some man who's never met me in my doctor's office with me. So, again, just to take 30 seconds and say this is a ridiculous argument because you can do whatever you want with you. There's a lot of things that aren't good for you, and I would say you shouldn't do. But what you can't do is take the life of innocent people for no reason. And that's really what we're talking about. And I know we don't like to talk about abortion in those terms, but that's just the reality of what it is. And I think people are starting to believe that. They're starting to understand the reality of what that is. You can make euphemisms. You can take all these words. You can separate them from reality and say it's just healthcare, It's just choice. It's just rights and talk in this ephemeral language of philosophical ideology. But the reality is, and there is a reality here, it's not just you. There's a baby 
that is conceived, that's part of this equation. So I don't care what man says something, what woman says something, what about the baby? You can't just go killing people. In any other context, in any other place, you would go to prison or worse for the rest of your life, right? The, but for some reason, when it comes to babies, out of sight, out of mind, whatever it is, we just think, oh, well, it's not real. It's not a real life. It's not a real person. So why does it matter if they just disappear? They never existed anyway. No, we have to keep saying that's not right. A baby, even in a mom's tummy, is still a person. And we need to talk about this. We need to fight for this. They can't fight for themselves. So we have to talk about these things. So then Stacey Abrams, the not governor of Georgia, talks about lamentations. And I mean... <laughs> She, she doesn't talk about it right, first of all. I, I'm not going to condemn her too much because obviously she doesn't actually read the Bible because she would know. But but then then she talks about how um, she, she misquotes Joshua. And, and Joshua, I, I have to set the stage for this again because this is one of my favorite quotes because Israel is doing what Israel does and going away from God. They've made all these idols. They've done all these things wrong. They are doing human and baby sacrifices too. So it's kind of an apt analogy in the wrong way. Uh, and Joshua stands up and says, listen, get rid of all your idols, get rid of all your garbage, worship God alone. And as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. This is what he talks about in Joshua 24, 25. Um, that's a really great message. It's a really great message for us today. We should follow God alone. We should not do all of this ridiculousness that the culture tells us to do. Stacey Abrams instead says, as for me and my house, I'm going to vote. Anyway, let's hear it. I, I was recently reading the, the book of Lamentations. And it's an interesting five books. When you, when you read the five chapters, it's about being under siege. It's about Judah being under siege and being told there isn't enough for everyone, so you are going to have to starve. Starve of food, starve of opportunity, starve of freedom. But the book of Lamentations is about reminding us that even in siege, we have an opportunity to see the future, that we have the chance to rise up and have more. And voting is how we do that in a democracy. Over the next 23 days, we can decide who we intend to be. Do we want to serve each other or do we want to serve those who would keep us subservient? For me in my house, I plan to vote. So again, uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of ridiculous. Like me and my house, I plan to vote. Like, and maybe maybe I'm in a unique situation. My children are not 18, so my children are not going to vote because that's not a thing. You have to be 18 to vote. My wife and I vote, but I I don't know what I don't know what this means. I, I literally don't know what this means. Now I will admit and, and agree. I like the idea of voting. Everyone who is able to vote, who is legal to vote, you should vote. Absolutely. 100%. Please vote. Your vote makes a difference because your vote influences policy and policy influences people. And we really should do that because these policies matter and what we do matters so that we're able to talk about how our communities actually function and hopefully function in a moral way, not an immoral way. That's really important. And I think you should vote and I think we should vote. And so, yes, please vote. Uh, this quote, it just it just hit me so sideways. I felt like we had to talk about it. I think we've talked about it enough. Let's move on. Okay, 
So then we have, oh boy, then we have Anne Hathaway and sweet Anne Hathaway of the Princess Diaries fame, I believe. Um, this uh, The movie that they're talking about in this clip is going to be The Devil Wears Prada, which has devil in the name, which is kind of funny and we'll talk about more in a moment. Uh, and then, of course, there's Les Mis, uh, which was fine. Um, they, they did an okay job with it. The, the story is, is kind of ridiculous because the more that you actually go into the real story of the French Revolution, like, yes, it actually was Mis miserable and way more miserable than the play novel uh, or this particular movie illustrates. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She's an actress and she apparently has very, 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 very strong views about abortion and for abortion and, and her own issues with abortion that she sort of talks about in this clip. But, but the big issue that we have to talk about here is um, she says abortion is destiny. So we have to talk about what that means. What, what does it mean that abortion is destiny? Is that is that right? Is that a thing? And then she also says that abortion is a mercy. And uh, for me, mercy is a very biblical word, but it's a very word that it, it connotes a certain element of justice, giving someone a mercy. Technically, the definition of mercy would be not giving you what you deserve in a justice sense, right? If you do an action that is not good, that means you don't get the punishment for it. Um, so it's protection of the innocent. And it also, in just colloquial terms, mercy would mean like taking care of somebody and, and not taking advantage of them and providing for them. That, that's a great way to think about mercy. That's not what we're talking about in this clip. So that's why we have to talk about it. So I'm not sure anybody actually watches The View. If you do, I suppose you should stop because you're probably not smarter for it. But... Unfortunately, this clip has been making its rounds on the interwebs and the socials, so we need to talk about it. Let's just watch this first one, and then we'll talk about what she has to say. You know, the Devil is Prada did uh, turn 16 this summer. Yes. The time flies, boy. So you wrote this on Instagram. Quote, I am struck by the fact that the young female characters in this movie built their lives and careers in a country, then honored their right to have choice over their own reproductive health. See you in the fight. So why did you write that? Why was it important to you, for, to you to write something like that? Because we're in the fight. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're in the fight every day. We're in the fight every minute. And you mentioned the Devil's Prada turning sweet 16. Yeah. Some 16-year-old's life has been irrevocably changed yeah. because of the current overturning of Roe v. Wade. And in this character, I played a young woman who was starting out her career. And when you are a young woman starting out your career, your reproductive destiny matters a great deal. Of course. Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, it, it had just happened, and I just, I think about it all the time. I think we all think about it all the time. Yeah. And, um, and what its implications are, and what it means to live in a country that puts us in this position. Again. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And so if I were to play that role nowadays, I couldn't take that for granted. I couldn't take that freedom mm. for granted, the freedom of choice. And by the way, I'm not, this is not a moral conversation about abortion. Right. This is a practical conversation about women's rights. Mm. And by the way, human rights, because women's rights are human rights. And the freedom that we all need to be able to, to choose and build our lives and have access to excellent. Uh, she said excellent healthcare that cut cut off at the end. Anyway, this wow, there's so much going on here. So she's grieved about the character in the Devil Wears Prada, which by the 
way the name of the movie is The Devil Wears Prada. But um, she's grieved about this character that's fictional that might not be able to get an abortion today, except for the fact that a character is fictional. And in New York, you can, as far as I know, still get an abortion as long as you want. I think probably up until the moment of birth on demand. And that doesn't appear that's going to change anytime soon because it's New York. It's anyway, then we get to one of her new catchphrases. And this is the one that I really want to talk about for a moment. She says it's reproductive destiny to have an abortion. <clears throat> I, <you laughs> okay, so let's let's just unpack this for a moment. And, and this is just words, right? Because words are important. Words are important because they mean things. And when we delete the meaning of words, when we eliminate what words mean, then we just can't get to the bottom of what are we actually talking about here? So what does this mean? Reproductive destiny. If you just take those words on their face, reproductive destiny, when a woman has conceived a child, what is actually the destiny of that conception? Well, it's obvious. The destiny of conception is birth. When when a woman is pregnant, the destiny is birth. This should be obvious to everybody. It seems, in fact, that doesn't even seem, the ending of the life of a child that has been conceived is actually going against reproductive destiny. That child, through biology, through nature, is supposed to be born. Now, I know, not every time. I, I, I know there are problems, miscarriages, and, and, and tragedy. But we're talking about the general nature of things, the general destiny of things. The general destiny of a mother who is pregnant is for the child to be born. The general nature of that child is to be born. It could not be more obvious, but apparently it isn't to some people. And then she goes on and says, this isn't a moral conversation. It's just a conversation about rights. It's just a conversation about human rights because women's rights are human rights. Yes, of course, women's rights are human rights. This is a false flag argument. Like, yes. Women's rights are human rights. Women are humans, obviously. Are girl babies women who are humans who have rights? Are, are boy babies humans have rights? Like, do any babies have rights? Where do babies have rights? Apparently, only outside of the womb. A baby that is inside the womb apparently has no rights because they're not actually human or a person or something. Again, this is just going against all kinds of biology and reality, trying to make things into euphemistic terms that live in the ether sphere and, and all of this fluffy language to make babies that are unborn not actually people. That's really what this argument is trying to do. And it's a ridiculous argument on its face because everybody knows babies are babies. So this is literally a conversation about morality because morality in its essence is the discussion of how do you treat another person and is it okay to treat them that way? This is the actual discussion of human rights. This is actually what morality is. And life is the primary application of morality because if you don't have life, if you're not alive, then you have nothing and you have no rights and their morality doesn't apply to you because you're dead. But of course, she knows she cannot talk morally because that is silliness in this argument. It's all about morality. So she tries to hide the argument in something like human rights and women's rights and thinks you're just too dumb to notice the baby's has a right to live. And that is the argument that we get to. But of course, we all know babies are real. Mothers and fathers and grandmothers and sisters, brothers and everybody else fawns over babies as soon as they're born. And really, many people, most people swoon over the mother-to-be when a woman is pregnant. People get so excited about it and they throw extravagant showers and give gifts and do all of these things because 
that's what we do because we're so excited to bring new life into this world. Even if we're not a part of it, even if we're relatives and friends, everybody gets excited about a new birth, except for the people who just want to end babies' lives. It's just all a show. It's a show to promote the ultimate self, the ultimate self-centeredness. She goes on to say that she couldn't have had the wonderful career if she had a baby, which is just a lie. This is the culture. This is what the culture says. This is the lie of the culture. It says that you have to have your way or there's no way, I guess. Because to give up yourself is to admit that you're not the center of the universe. And oh man, I have to say this. Sadly, I got news for y'all. You're not the center of the universe. I know. I know. That's hard news to hear, but it's just the reality of it. And the sooner that we accept that, the sooner that we can move on. So let's talk about the second clip because the second clip, she says that abortion is in fact mercy. Let's just watch this. Another thing, and just without going into too many details, my own personal experience with abortion, and I don't think we talk about this enough, abortion can be another word for mercy. We don't know. We don't know. It's not a world in which we know that no two pregnancies are alike and it Mm -hmm. follows that no two lives are alike. That follows that no two conceptions are alike. Mm -hmm. So how can we have a law? How can we have a, a, a point of view on this that says we must treat everything the same? And where I come at it from is when you allow for choice, you allow for flexibility, which is what we need in order to be human so that anyway i just wanted to include that that part especially for that it's not it's not set in stone just because you get pregnant doesn't mean you get to keep that baby yeah it's a health decision and it it can be all right so again this this is just where this argument goes off the cliff uh figuratively abortion is another word for mercy I, i shouldn't have to say anything here but it's clearly not a mercy for the child who is killed i i mean Again, this should be so obvious, but apparently it's not obvious to some. And she probably doesn't mean that. She probably means that it's a mercy for the mother. But this is the lie. This is the lie that apparently to some is very cunning, very crafty, very, very, uh, very motivational to sway you into this. Thinking that mercy is letting you have the life that you want rather than bringing new life into this world. The superpower that women have is to literally bring new life into this world. And what a gift that God has given women to be able to do that. Yes, I know. As she says, not every woman is able to do that. And and sometimes things go wrong with pregnancy. I know that. And that is tragic. The reason it's tragic is the generality of a woman is that her ability is to bring humans into the world. When that doesn't happen, it's really sad and tragic. To say that you should have control over that and take over that superpower, take over that God power of, uh, I mean, I don't mean women are gods. I mean, like, that God gave women the power to give birth, to take over that and to create this whole new context, this whole new subset of, well, I'm going to be the boss of my destiny, right? That's really where this whole thing is going that I'm able to do that and tell the universe, tell the world what I want to do. And again, I'm the center of the universe. That's where we get into this idolatrous territory of becoming your own God or something weird like that, though they probably don't think of it that way. So this idea of mercy, m- mercy for the, for the mother would be actually telling them the truth. That even when the culture of the abortion mill these celebrities, everybody else is telling them the lie that they'll be better off without children in this barren world. We need to just say, no, that's a lie. Children are a blessing, 100%. Are they difficult? 
Yes. Are they frustrating? Yes. Do they cost a million, billion, zillion dollars? Yes. Yes, we all know that. But children are the biggest blessing on the face of the earth, period. A thousand times, yes, over and over and over. Every good parent would tell you this. I'm not sure if this culture will ever value life the way that God and Christians value life. But until that happens, I'm going to keep pointing out that God loves you. God wants you to be with him in eternity forever through his son, Jesus Christ, and faith in Jesus. You are precious. Anyone who tells you otherwise is just simply from the devil. I thank you for listening today. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it has been something that gives you more information on how to live as a Christian in this wild and crazy world that we are in. And I hope that you continue to keep the faith. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard.